The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. And so um, this middle segment is something that I haven't done in a long time all by myself. I've usually had another guest here, but um, it's something where you realize it's Friday and, oh, crap, I didn't book a guest. And then I tried to book one and then the email bounced. And so I'm going to have to talk to like some... HR director to figure out um, how to get in contact with the person I wanted the book. Um, but anyway, so um, over the weekend, I saw an episode of the Wall Street Journal report, and it's a syndicated show, and uh, it's all, it's shot in, in low definition, and so it's like one of the only shows you'll ever see on a Saturday afternoon that still has the black bars between the screen because it's not, you know, the high def standard so anyways it's just like wow people are that cheap but anyway so after doing some research i found out that the show is discontinued in 2012 so there's nothing like uh, old financial news that is run on a sunday afternoon uh but the substantial part i took away from the program besides um you know it's 2013 and why can't you shoot in high definition is the fact that the host is um you know I'm, i don't use this word lightly by the way the host is a fascist if i ever did see one and I'll remind you that a fascist is someone like Mussolini who believed himself that state power in merging with corporate power is a good thing. And, you know, he was, Mussolini was proud to be a fascist, and that's what he would say. Anyway, so the fascist host of the Wall Street Journal report, Maria uh, Bartomolo, who is also a um, CNBC host, and I cannot stand her when she makes appearances on Meet the Press, uh, was talking about uh, quantitative easing three or QE3. Uh, so it's, and then the QE is the quantitative easing is just a program the Fed does. And then the, th- the three is it's the third round of it since um, the Great Recession of 2008 or depression, as I like to call it. And it should be called a depression, honestly. Um, it's one of the big th- main things that the Fed has been doing to help big banks um, since the Great Recession, depression. And uh, it just pumps money into the um, money pool, and it takes out some of the bad loans and stuff. Um, and while Maria Bartomola was talking about Q, all about QE3, and she had no disdain at all. She was excited about it because, um, I guess, free money from the Fed is a good thing. And um, where do I get in line? Um, I guess I'd have to chase, change my name to Chase or something like that. But... Um, she was talking about with no disdain at all whatsoever. And then later on in the show, she has that snarly, like, like it's almost like a, a, a bulldog when drool's coming out of its mouth and entitlement. And um, when that comes up, oh, we got to reform those. Oh, those are out of control. And it's it's just like, you know, I, I, I'm sure, you know, the working, I'm sure you that are driving to work right now, You've been working on paying into Social Security and Medicare since you were 18 or whenever, or even 16 if you were, if you started work early. I didn't. Um, but anyways, yeah, I've been paying into it since I'm 18. And, um, you know, when I turn 65, of course I'm entitled to it, you butt. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, it, it's like robbing a bank. I mean, entitlement reform is like robbing a bank and even using that term it's you know i only use the term entitlement because of course i'm entitled to it i've been paying into it you know it's it's one of those right wing words that doesn't really mean what it 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 looks like it it seems like um it it seems like oh it's something that you know it's a handout it's not a handout it's a it's something that you invest in and then it comes back to you it's an investment it's not an entitlement and um 
I can't think of the pollster at the moment that that does those kind of think tank words. He's the one that came up with the death tax. Well, the death tax is is what makes it so that you don't have you know an aristocracy in America, and which we do. You know, it's it's it's. I should you know the Democrats need to come up with you know the Paris Hilton tax or the the Osborne tax. It makes it so that you know Kelly and Jack have to get up off their ass and actually work. Um, and not just inherit the rights to inner Sandman and then just sit on the couch and collect checks. And, and, the, and yes, that argument, you know, that argument can be talked about for copyright too, because, it, you know, Disney has Mickey Mouse and every time when Disney's about to lose Mickey Mouse, the years go up. So now that we have, um, we have uh, superstar rock superstars that uh, will get, royalties on Inter Sandman, you know, until probably the great grandkids of Kelly and Jack Osborne. And it's like, uh, that's not the way um, America was supposed to be set up. But of course, it is now because we've turned into kind of a, a, a corporate state. Um, and some of the things also one of the entitlement um, talking points is, oh, we're going to means test it. We're going to, you know, if you don't really need it, why should you really collect it? And, um, you know, it's something that Al, Al Franken used to say on the Franken Factor, and yes, I was probably the only one that listened to that. Um, so the success of Social Security and Medicare isn't—it's not a program for poor. It's a—it's pro, uh, a program that's run for everybody. So the program isn't run poorly, and so when everybody has a stake in it, even if you're a millionaire and I don't know you lose all of your money, you still have a stake in it, so you, you have a parachute to uh, fall back on. And granted, I'm not talking about a big parachute, but it's a parachute. It will it will help you completely not, you know, land on the dirt, go, you know, when you fall. Um, and it's huge. And, and you'll have to remember that during the Great Depression, the first one, not the current one, the first one, um, you know, the reason why it was started by Franklin Roosevelt was because uh, elderly people were really poor and they were living in atrocious situations. And, you know, if anything, uh, Social Security and Medicare, they need to be increased. And um, in the case of Medicare, you know, made available for all. Um, and, you know, I think Dennis Kucinich calls it Medicare Part E. And uh, I, I think it's E for everybody. But Part D, which is a prescription drug benefit, that was made so bad by the Bush administration that that if you said I I want to reform Medicare Part D and make it so the government can negotiate prices and you can import drugs from Canada, you know, go at it. I think that would be a good Part D would be fine to reform if you do that. No, they're going for the guts of it, and um, you know when this start when this talk started to happen, I remember you know when Jarrett Lavelle hosted. Um, Act, um, no, I was going to say activism for amateurs, but he, he I, I can't think of his show title at the moment, but um, he hosted a PA show at one point, and now he just does reggae, but um, he played this Onion piece where it was like, uh, live hard, die young, because, you know, you don't really have a parachute to fall back on, or um, it reminds me of one of Nathan Callahan's uh, SoCal Bites, when when his Aunt Tina says, live every day like it's your last, and how, how stupid that is, and... Uh, you know, I mean, th taking away Social Security and Medicare kind of gives some credence to Aunt Tina. Why not? You know, I mean, that I never even considered 
doing any form of hard drugs until it's just like, oh, well, so security won't be there. I'm not going to say that I'm going to have like, um, you know, some Horatio Alger thing happen to me where I'm going to be independently wealthy and, and have a Mercedes and all that good stuff. That's not ever going to happen to me. Probably never, ever going to happen to me. I don't know why people think it will, but I'll, I'll just, you know, leave that to a side. But so like, you know, that stuff, you're going to, you're going to need something when you get old. And so when you take that away, it's just like, what's the initiative, you know, to be the straight and narrow and, and work every day when, when, you know, your, your um, parachute when you get old is, oh, you're, now you're going to be the old geezer that works at Walmart and says hi to everybody. You know, it's just, it's just crap. And the fact that, you know, quote unquote responsible Democrats are buying into this crap is just, um, it's sad. And it's really sad. And it's sad that the Obama administration is using that as a bargaining tool. Um, I, I do listen to other radio stations and I do listen to other programs. And this one woman that was on a, a, a liberal talk show was just like, why do they criticize President Obama so much? And to a certain extent, there's there's a legitimate criticism of him, like, you know, him trying to negotiate Social Security and stuff just to get higher tax rates on the rich. That that That's bad. I'd rather have the rich pay less in taxes and uh, and keep the Social Security where it is. I mean, if you're going to... If you're going to have to play that game because of the midterms of 2010 and Citizens United, you know, just, you know, don't don't play their game. And that's what President Obama is doing is they're, he's playing on their terms. Um, it's really, really sad. And and that's the other weird thing about taxing the rich is, and I will get back to the Horatio Alger thing that I won, I just left off to the side. There's a lot of people that, you know, when you go tax the rich, they'll go, but I'll be rich someday too. And... I hate to say it, but upward mobility since the 1950s has not been there. The chances of you being rich are almost nil. Um, there's there's always a possibility, but don't hold your breath on it, you know. Um, so it, it's just really aggravating the, the time, the like the mind frame that we're doing this. And, you know, taking away from Social Security and Medicare is, again, like robbing a bank. And so... Instead of, you know, if you're going to rob the people's bank, why aren't people upset about this? It just seems like life goes on as it is. And it's and it's one of those, again, it's one of those Washington-created consensus things, which has no meaning to the outside world. But in the about way, this all makes perfect sense, you know. And um, it's like the post office. I, I work at a place where we deal with the post office and people go, oh, I'll support the post office. They're having money issues. Well, the only reason they're having money issues is like Bush made their uh, retirement pensions. They have to, the post office has to withhold so much money from their operating funds to, um, to keep that going that no normal business on the face of the planet has to withhold that much. It's a created crisis. The post office crisis where the, you know, the possibility of Saturday delivery getting axed, which is more austerity, by the way, um, that is all a manufactured crisis. Uh, the post office makes money. It's just the way that it, the accounting is being done at the moment, they are having money issues. Um, and so, again, it's one of those crises that is fake, and, and people just don't get it. And it's amazing how much money... Uh, how much money 
and can buy public opinion. Like Neil gave his ratio 100 to 1, and he was saying, well, you know, six weeks out from the election on the Dolphins referendum, and it's polling badly, but if they spend a lot of money, they can turn it around. Um, it's it's that bad that the public is so feeble that spending money on things, you know, like TV time takes a lot of money to buy. The, you know, a, a brain cell doesn't click off going, oh, wait, let's see, a Dolphins owner is buying a crap load of TV time to say that he needs improvements to a stadium or, you know, any issue. Maybe this is not a good idea. Maybe there's a reason why he's spending so much time and energy on this and he'll get something for free. And that goes for everything. You know, if you see a big push, a public relations push, there's usually something behind it. And that something is usually pretty ugly. It's um, not as mundane as something like The Wizard of Oz. And so, yeah. And so we're in the middle of the sequester. And um, uh, I was talking to somebody that uh, has a daughter that's on Wealth TV now. And I guess their question was, "Is do you feel the sequester cuts? Or something that was just like really slanted. And... Um, well, we have job numbers for March, and they are way down compared to the previous months. And again, this is like the 1990s. I don't know if you remember this or not. Dot-com boom. Everybody's making money. Blah, 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 blah. And jobs are being created. And this still happens any time when someone talks about the legacy of Bill Clinton. is He goes, oh, he created jobs. Well, he never, ever, no one ever, 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 ever says what kind of jobs he created. And um, oh, the Obama administration with their programs... Yes, jobs are being created, but they're really crappy. Um, my particular job, I only get four and a half hours a day. And so I only get minimum wage. Do I have a job? Yes. Does it pay my bills? No. Am I living for somebody to help pay my bills? Yes. Am I still losing, losing money out of savings? Yes. Am I looking for a new job? Hell yes. Um, so it's still not fixed the problem that started with reagan is still not fixed and um to judge a president or any public policy by just how many jobs are created without taking into well i mean how many of these jobs are actually well paying how many of these jobs we create the middle class um that that's insane and that and i think that's kind of the country we're living in um i'll just leave off with this one last thing about the middle class is um as a kid i used to go camping a lot and um, one, we, one of the things that we, we went camping in was my dad bought a tent trailer. And uh, to pull the tent trailer, we had a cargo van. And of course, you know, gas prices were a lot cheaper then. But it probably wasn't very cheap to fill a big cargo van. And, it, you know, your gas mileage goes to hell when you're pulling a trailer. And we took a vacation for two weeks every year. And when you go camping now, you hardly see somebody that owns their own RV. You see tents and rental RVs, but almost 70% are tents. It's amazing how how less purchasing power the middle class has. And I'm not saying, you know, buying an RV is certainly not the best investment in the world. You probably should rent. But I'm just saying, for the it's, it's your choice. I mean, honestly, it's not the best investment in the world for me, but it's your choice to, to, to buy one or not. But the fact that most of the people now that, you know, fill that space that was in the 80s as a camper, you would see a lot more motorhomes and a lot more uh, owned uh, trailers rather than rented ones. It's it's absolutely crazy how far and how hard the middle class has fallen. And it's absolutely crazy that the minimum wage does not increase with productivity and inflation. 
It's insane. It needs to go back up to $12 because that's probably where it would be if it kept up with inflation and then adjusted for productivity and inflation. So the upper 1% does not capture that. I cannot believe how far the um, the 99% has fallen since, you know, the 80s, really. But I mean, since in more modern times since 2008. So we're going to go out. Um, Robert Larson's going to be joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. This is, of course, the Heather McCoy Show.